0: Welcome to Help From Future
1: Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to yet another episode of Help From Future Self. It's the conversational Keyforge podcast made by and made for Keyforge friends all across the globe. My name is Scuzzy Gruen. I am also called Alex by my friends. That includes you, dear listener. And I'm joined, as always, by my good Keyforge pals. We've got... Boulevard Blake, my coach, my Key Forge compadre. What's happening, pal?
0: Hey, man. How's it going?
1: It's going wonderful. And of course, our new regular co-host after our announcement last week, if you missed it, it's S.C. Steele. What's going on, Sydney? Not much. So this is going to be an interesting episode for me in a lot of ways because I think it's something that I don't have a lot of perspective on but I think both of you do, and I think you both actually have slightly different perspectives based on your own experiences. We're talking about Key Forge teams today, and this was actually a pitch for an episode that Sydney made when we started talking about uh, some future ideas. And I just sort of wanted to start the conversation off very simply by sort of putting it to you, Sydney, uh, and then Blake, I'd like to hear from you as well, kind of what your perspective on what a Key Forge team is, because it's not an official thing. There's no like official, you know, uh, organized play aspect of it. It's almost always a thing that's organized within the fan community. So, what in that context is a KeyForge team to you, Sydney?
2: I really think a KeyForge team is people that get together and play a lot but also want to achieve certain things really enjoy each other's company there's lots of different things that make a team in our case we have a, a local team a physical group of people that got together a lot in the before times and we um, were from Gray's Lake Illinois so we called ourselves call ourselves the gray riders and it was just a, a great way to feel camaraderie and association with each other and um, we we translated that to online play when we play in tournaments online we root for each other we're very supportive we practice sometimes so a team means a lot of people that play very close together and work with each other and are supportive of each
1: other awesome from your perspective blake what makes up a team
0: well for me a team is a collective of individuals who have a similar outlook towards how they approach the game generally with aspirations in tournament settings to help each other prepare and to succeed in different ways. So that can mean preparing as in practicing with decks, knowing if you know your opponent's deck, being able to see what that looks like in action, and as well as post-game having someone to go over your game with and provide some insight into what you may have done well or could have done better upon uh, reflection.
1: That's interesting because I like the fact that sort of there's a a, a both practical and a social aspect, Um, having never been part of a team. Uh, the only thing I really know about them is that there was a bunch of high-profile ones fairly early on within Keyforge, and oftentimes they were the people who I think were really driving a lot of community efforts. And so in my mind, a lot of those those very early teams that I heard about were folks who were very interested in Keyforge, very invested in Keyforge, and were looking for other people who are sort of had that same level of investment, that same interest in the game and were interested in achieving at a high level and supporting each other in getting to that point. And that's what I thought was kind of fascinating about it.
2: Yeah, I think early on, a lot of teams were were a social aspect of it because there were a handful of things in place that wouldn't necessarily make Teams the the most competitive aspect of KeyForge. I don't know if you guys remember, but early on there was uh, news that decks were actually supposed to be retired if they won a Vault Tour or a Worlds, <laughs> or the the details were unclear. But in in the current day and age, teams do a lot of deck lending, and if a if a deck was retired by winning a tournament, it wouldn't be a viable deck to lend out. But I think also. Decks get the chains in Keyforge. People don't get chains. So deck lending is also hampered in that way. So I think early on, a lot of teams formed because there was a huge social aspect to it.
1: Interesting, interesting. Um, looking at it from sort of, I guess, the perspective of training together and working together what advantage do you think that like a team offers in that respect having never like seriously trained for an event other than just playing on tco leading up to like you know uh, local uh, uh events that we had going on I'm i'm sort of interested in what aspect of training comes through in a team that you find especially appealing or that you've experienced
2: I can definitely speak to that one. I actually, I currently am actively training with some team members during the KFPL. Every week when our opponents are released, we end up looking at each other's as opponents' decks and um, we we play in them against each other on TCO. So I'll load all three decks. Because it's a triad, we also need to choose which deck to ban. So um, stats and um, history aside we we end up playing against all of the decks and that helps us choose which one to ban and then we practice the the better matchups of the triad against each other's decks so it's something that's actually helping us go into every week with confidence and it's also a lot of fun to uh play have a reason to play specific decks with your
1: friends cool blake does that yeah and
0: up um experience? so for my experiences uh i joined the team of united archons with uh, Jupiter, because Jupiter has been one of my like day ones in the game uh, we've always looked for ways to connect with each other and interact and uh, he invited me to his worlds team so him myself and Mike Fooney we all basically work together to determine basically it's it was more of a team within a team in that regards The idea was to work together to determine what decks would be best preparing for worlds. So this was a chat with, here's our deck pools collectively. Which decks are we looking from our own pools to go with? What is missing? Uh, Things of that nature. And then we'd practice against each other and try out the different decks and be able to have very candid uh, discussions. And it helps if you're with someone who has the same or a opposing analytical mind to you so that it can provide a different perspective And I think that's the great thing about it. Uh, One thing I do like about teams is having someone else play your own deck so you can get a perspective of someone else playing the game and seeing what it looks like through their eyes and maybe glean some new information about what's going on. And that's just the nice thing about a team, because Sydney's team is very in contrast to United Archons, where it was her local group with United Archons. We were a global collective. And it was people from all over the world who had a competitive desire within Keyforge uh, coming together under the uh, the vision that Jupiter had. And it's uh, gone through iterations, obviously. no. When you're preparing a, a whole team for the, the object of worlds, and then that suddenly is just thrown out the window due to the pandemic, it really caused a chain reaction of events to have the team kind of reform and reposition itself, which I think is the case for a lot of things. We've seen people be in one team and then break off have a faction of their own and start something new, which is, I don't think unheard of or very surprising in this kind of climate that we have. But the great thing that a a team does provide is it's like a safe space for you to talk about things and prepare. And I know Sydney can probably attest to this and having people in your corner cheer for you, which is a (laughs) a really cool thing to have because I know Mm -hmm. you're doing uh, your thing in the KFPL.
2: I also wanted to point out that you made a fantastic point about worlds because there are actually variants that are currently played. At least FFG has made some side events at vault tours where you are legitimately on a team of people and you mm-hmm. you sit in a row of three people and your three people are playing against uh, an opponent's three people team and you're you're playing at the same time and you can ask your team for help on decisions that you need to make and uh, I I actually played in one of these once and it was it was super super fun and when one of your teammates finishes it's really great having them help but the The really exciting part is when two of your teammates finish and one is lost and one is won and the whole match depends on you sitting next (laughs) to your two teammates who are coaching you play against a team who is doing the exact same thing. The, The hype is really there.
1: It's I have so had much that fun. experience where uh, we we set up a little informal tournament lo- uh, last year when we could still all get together in person to play. We set it up with that format of, you know, it was Rick and myself and Blake on a team. And, you know, we had that, that triad style where we could consult with one another. And the sheer relief of just being able to tap Blake or Rick on the shoulder and go what do you think I should do with this and show them my hand and sort of have that little like side conference, but you're still sitting in front of your opponent. So you can't talk openly about it. Like there was something very like sportsman like about it and fun that I really enjoyed. Or And also a lot
2: of like, a lot of like poker, because when you can talk to people on your team in ways that only they understand or using mm-hmm. inside jokes or past references of things of times that other cards have come up. And it's a very fun way to communicate in front of a team of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah it has yeah. so added- much fun added angle to all of that, which I think is super duper fun. It's not the same as if Blake was sitting next to me while I'm playing on the computer and could just talk openly about it or what have you. Um, But I I guess part of that as well is I I wanted to return to this idea of sort of like deck sharing and deck loaning within the team because we're at a point now where I think we've accepted the fact that oftentimes that is a huge aspect of these multi-deck format tournaments where it's not just people bringing their best stuff from their own collection. Oftentimes it's them on relying on their other teammates uh, collections as well. And so uh, I know for a fact, Blake, that you have borrowed from other people that you're associated with, perhaps from people on your team. How much of an important factor do you think that is in, I guess, a a team's existence? Like, is that a thing that should be necessarily part of a team or is it just a a nice benefit uh, of, of extra decks to pool from?
0: I think it's definitely a necessity of a team and it varies in terms of relevance of this topic because if you're in just a regular Archon event, I think it matters less. But when you're getting into the best of three formats, I think this is where this comes more into play. Like especially in Triad, you need the largest pool of decks possible to create that perfect combination of decks that you feel is going to help you win because you know someone you're going against is going to do the same thing. And then when you have things like Adaptive, it applies the same way. But I but I think in like a solo Archon, best of one, borrowing a deck uh, has less than an advantage depending on the time you have to prepare.
2: That's but incredibly But I feel true. that it
0: does help. Yeah.
2: Especially because when you're borrowing somebody's deck, you're not only borrowing their physical cards or in this case, maybe digital cards, but you're also borrowing their knowledge. When they can tell you about combos that they know about their deck Mm. or ways that certain things interact, things to look out for in the deck that you're borrowing, it makes it so much easier to get used to a deck. You can have a lot less reps with a deck and still be good at it than if you were looking at a deck cold or just looking up a deck on uh, decks of KeyForge and deciding that you wanted to try it out for the first time.
0: Yeah, the pathways to power have already been discovered and now they're just being shared with you. It's, it's kind of the interesting thing about the whole discovery of the game. Like there is fun in discovering, but then there's people who have already discovered it and then you have that information and then you basically just build on it through your own experience when playing, which is in and itself a very unique way to uh, digest the game.
1: Blake, I want you to write a book about Key strategy called Pathways to Power. that's a great title i'd read it great title i definitely would too Uh, one of the other aspects of team stuff that i think is is so amazing um and that is one of the things that when i see folks doing this on twitter on instagram just fills my heart up um with with joy is it's not just about the social aspect, uh, and of course the knowledge aspect and the training aspect. It's also about the identity aspect. I love it when I see people who have a name for their team, they have a logo for their team, they're making T-shirts. It was one of my favorite KeyForge memories, uh, Blake, when you gave myself and Rick our help from future self T-shirts because it felt like this was a special thing for us as part of our group that you know we'd been building towards for a while, and it sort of it was a way for us to represent for that group for this podcast just for ourselves as players and I think one of the things that is most appealing to me as a person who's not sort of part of a very like official serious team although you know help from future self as a team we're all teammates here <laughs> uh, in creating this podcast if if nothing else but uh it, it, there's an aspect of just uh, that social that I think adds like a dimensionality to the game that I think is interesting as well one of the things that I always talk about with KeyForge is that because you don't get to construct your own deck your identity as a player is defined Differently than it might be in another game. Whereas, you know, if you're an MTG player, you might be like, oh, I always play this particular archetype, or I'm known for playing, you know, this particular combination of colors. Whereas I find in Keyforge, you find your identity with the game in other ways. And teammate, you know, having a team identity certainly seems to be part of that.
2: Absolutely. So I have two very special Keyforge t shirts that I wear. One of them is, in fact, a logo for our Grey Riders team, but I one t- even more special to my heart. Our local Key Forge group met on Wednesdays back in the before times, and there were a handful of us girls who got together and played. So one of the girls had a fantastic idea, and she printed on pink t-shirts. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Mean Girls, but she printed, on Wednesdays, we forge keys. So we would wear that on Wednesdays to Key Forge, and we 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 felt
1: great about it. You should do a whole line of those. You can't forge with us. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. Get in the
1: car, we're going forging. Uh...
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But yeah, one of the things that I think was really cool about going digital is that there were actually a handful of new new things that people had to face with teams because you Mm -hmm. know the format we were talking about where you sit in a row and there's three of you and you get to talk about what's going on. There's a a handful of tournaments now that because they are not team-based, they have actually put into their rules about um, spectators and slow playing because people can team up and play together against each other on in these tournaments because nothing can stop you while you're using TCO. So I thought it was really interesting that a handful of tournaments have popped up with different rules to prevent team playing.
1: I mean, I think this is where we start to enter into the territory where like... Obviously, being part of a team conveys certain advantages, their knowledge, their training. But these are all things that don't necessarily impact gameplay like in the moment. Like obviously, you know, if Blake and I sit down and play 200 games with the same decks in order to prepare ourselves for a local tournament, we're going into that. But at a certain point, that doesn't matter once I'm sitting down at the table. All I have to rely on is the experience that I've already had. There's no additional advantage to be gained at that point from being on the same team but there is always going to be those people within the community. And this is with any kind of competitive game where they're looking for unsportsman or unsportsperson like advantages. And it seems like, you know, as much as I hate to say it, there is an aspect of that that has to be watched out for with, with teams as a, as a premise. Uh, That's not to say that I think that there's any like teams that are notorious for that kind of behavior or that all teams will eventually go in that direction. But it's certainly a thing that now has to be considered given uh, the circumstances that we find ourselves in,
2: for sure. I just can't wait for multiplayer KeyForge to come out someday.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, Alex. I think for the most part there is a level of integrity within this game, mm-hmm. and obviously that can be breached for various uh, aspirations. And I guess desire to win and that's part of the reason why i was really excited when they introduced the vault warrior tournament because i felt that would create this ability to have um the different levels of competitive play Mm -hmm. separated so that people who are competitive but not like you know cutthroat let's just say um are in a different tournament from the people who do want to have that style of gameplay and there is a little bit more on the line but it's, I don't know, I just find that this game, we don't have that same level of player that wants to just, you know, win at all costs because obviously Magic has been around longer, so it has a longer history to pull from. But cheating within that game is almost notorious. It's like every mm-hmm. tournament, it's happening. And who is it going to be this time? And some sometimes it's like, is this guy going to do it again? So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Kind Literal Hall of Famers
1: getting caught cheating in that game which is always shocking and I guess you know, really lets you know how endemic it is uh, to, to to the situation. Um, and it's not like we haven't had our own, like, quote, cheating, quote-unquote, scandals within KeyForge. But at the same time, too, I always felt like those were handled relatively well by the community. There's a lot of talk and a mm-hmm. lot of kerfuffle. But at the same time, too, it's also like, you know, I, I don't feel like anybody was vindictive. I don't think anybody was out for blood in those scenarios, which to me suggests a level of maturity that I'm, I'm very fond of because the game can only be as fun as the community. Um, and if the community sucks, then the game's not going to be fun for you to play. Um, with that said, both of you from your, your, I guess, if we were to take this from the perspective of somebody listening to this podcast who goes, team sound cool, I want to start a team. What do you think Like the best way to approach that is? What are you looking for when you start a team?
0: Actually- Friend- Go I'm just going to jump in there. The best way to actually experience this right now and in a very easy way, and I've been waiting for my moment to say this, is um, the Ancient Bear League, aka the ABR League, is a great way to get a feel for what it's like to be on a team and play Team Keyforge without being fully committed to something and going through that process of starting something and finding people to recruit and all this to get an idea of what it's like. Because essentially there are team captains each season and then they select from the pool of players that exist it's like a draft type of thing but you're drafting players for your team and there's usually 10 players per team and then each week is a new format variant that exists through seven weeks i believe is this uh this season and then you basically have a chat with all the people in your team those 10 players and you talk amongst yourselves you share your decks you say you're going to be brought into the fold of finding what it's like to be on a team just by the nature of the way the tournament setting is. So it's a great way to actually experience Team Keyforge without necessarily being part of a long term team, but getting an idea if it's something you're actually in the the market for, so to speak.
2: That's really cool. Are you doing that right now?
0: I am. I'm in my inaugural uh, season, I guess, for myself, but they're they been doing it for I think four or five seasons now, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a uh, really cool to see and get to try different decks, and they have a really great rule, which is any deck used is now stricken from the pool available. So once you use it for one format, you can't use it again in the subsequent formats down the the weeks, which is really interesting. So there's a a level of I guess strategy in terms of which decks did you burn if it may be more powerful later on. It's quite it's quite a fun uh, format and it's really good. It's a $10 entry and there are prizes, but it's uh, it's really worth it because it goes on for seven weeks and then there's the, uh, the kind of top cut from there for teams and moving on. So I do recommend it for anyone who wants to get involved with a team format setting. Uh, you will get a lot out of it and it's very welcoming.
2: That's really cool. I was going to suggest possibly going on to the different Discord channels because they are always super active and a lot of them have uh, open invitations to be part of their Discord or their uh, podcast team, whatever their logo is. A handful of them have T-shirts and if you mm-hmm. want the social aspect of it, that's where the chatter is.
1: Interesting. And I, I guess from a structural standpoint, wh- what do you think is sort of like the the, the optimal structure like should your team have a ton of people so that you have lots of alternates and lots of people to talk to all the time are you looking for a more like compact therefore easier to manage experience is it dependent on the team i think
0: that's a personal preference
1: uh,
2: yeah our uh, our in-person team uh was basically limited to the number of people we could fit into an airbnb for a vault tour we um (laughs) All of us traveled down to uh, Collinsville and we had to get the uh, biggest Airbnb that was available for um, for I think there were six of us at the time and um, they, that that worked that made it that was a, a comfortable living situation for that weekend. so that was that was our team cap.
1: All right, so most most important question here as the newbie, are you gonna represent for team help from future self at some future events, Sydney? Oh, you better believe it.
0: Yeah, I think we have to get some patches made so that you can still rock your Grey Riders, <laughs> but have the HFFS patch on you.
1: I like you it. I like it. Be like how Commander Worf was still able to wear his Klingon stuff while he was wearing his Starfleet uniform. So, you know, he was showing respect, but at the same time representing uh, the, the the team that he was playing for at that given time. So Oh, for sure. Well, Uh, With that said, uh, wonderful conversation. A lot of insight for me as a person who's not played on a team uh, and certainly something that I'm going to think about going forward, especially perhaps in this uh, ABR league. Now, with that said, we cannot end an episode of Help From Future Self without the titular segment. This one is called Help from 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 Future Self. Sydney, I understand you have one for us this week. I sure do. So recently I found
2: myself being recorded a handful of times on, uh, for playing different games for different leagues and so most recently actually i'm in the the coat the Keyforge online team events league and uh, our team was featured this week so my help from future self uh, is actually about recording edit et- etiquette and uh being recorded not just recording so the um the people that were recording us they had fantastic communication and i i feel like it was it was on us to uh, be a little more A little bit more communicative with them because they were interested in having a chat with us before we started and a a chat with us afterwards. And we weren't very clear with them if that was something that we were available to do. And then while we were playing, we actually ended up having a handful of uh, conversations in the text box in the side of uh, the TCO so that everyone could be on the same page about. What we were um, taking time doing, or if we needed the manual mode for something. So, um, recording etiquette: if, if you're being recorded, make sure to have open communication with the people who are recording you.
1: Excellent, excellent tip. All right, you can find us on Twitter at hffs podcast. You can find me at Scuzzy Grun on Instagram and on the Crucible and on Twitter. Where can they find you, Sydney? I am Sc Steele on Discord and TCO top-notch where can they find you what you got going on Blake
0: right now I am just working my way through opening decks jamming them etc I've started giving away decks that I'm opening which is a fun new experience for me so if you're a part of my patreon then uh, you can be uh, entered into those draws
1: Excellent. 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 All right. We're going to be back at you next week with yet another episode of Help From Future Self. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it a great deal. Tell somebody about the podcast if you're enjoying it. Uh, That's one of the ways that folks find out about us. And uh, believe me, you, we are going to keep doing this for the foreseeable future. Until next time, stay fortunate.